0: Well, you're not sure exactly who's in that song. Is it a man and his wife? Is it a man and his daughter? Is it two lovers? But clearly something's gone wrong. And the the writer of that song is saying, hey, I'll do whatever it takes. I got to reconcile this. We got to get back together. We got to fix this. As you hear a song like that, if you're like me, you think, I know some people who should be singing that to me. I don't need to sing that to anybody, but I need, there's a bunch of other people who need to fix some things, change some things, or modify some things. And I think the truth is that uh, all of us, well, we we got this inner calculator, right? You have one, I have one, I keep it right next to my heart, my inner calculator. This is the thing I use to calculate what other people have done toward me. It's like, here's the number of times they did something wrong, Uh uh-huh, They did this when I was 10, Mm -hmm. Then, when I was 22, I remember they did this. Or maybe it's your spouse, I've told them 700 times to not do that. And he keeps doing it. I asked her to show me some respect. I'm not an idiot, but she keeps saying it over and over again. We count what people do wrong. We also count things that's hard to forgive when people didn't do what's right. You know what? You didn't encourage me the way I needed it. You didn't do what I wanted. You didn't do what was appropriate. And whether it's counting things your parents didn't do that they should have, that your spouse did do that they said they would change. Sometimes we're counting our uh, times we apologize. It's like, you know what? I apologized last time. I apologized on June 12th and I apologize on May 14th. I apologize all the time. It's your turn. To go first. It's your turn to reconcile, and I'm not going to move. Other times, we get that inner calculator. We're using it to count our wounds. You know, friend said this. Sorry, going out with my boyfriend. I can't believe that that somebody did that to my daughter or to my son. I can't believe a you know, best friend would have you know stabbed him in the back like that. And so sometimes I'm angry at what other people have done to my family. I can count my wounds and count my scars with this inner calculator. I think one of the biggest challenges to forgiveness is that we all have an inner calculator, and it's not calculating all bad. A lot of the stuff it tells us is true. We know it happened. We know when it happened. We know how it happened. But what if we've been counting the wrong thing? Or what if you've only been counting one thing and maybe not another thing that could help you forgive? I want to go on a journey today and look at some of the scars that we have from people who have done some pretty horrific things to us, co-workers, ex-spouses, kids, withholding grandkids, all the ways that we've really felt that, and all the things we've been counting on that have caused so much pain in hopes that we can figure out how to move through forgiveness. There's two ways we want to learn how to count maybe the right thing, and the first thing is we've got to all be honest enough to say that we often count other people out because we're counting only what they've done wrong and what we've done right. Right? I count other people wrong. I, c- I count them out. Can't believe they're not worth my time. They're not worth my energy. But if I really think honestly, I'm only counting what I've done right, all I do in this marriage is give, give, give. And all they do is take, take, take. Here's how much weight I pull on the team. Add, add, add. Here's all the ways they've blown it. Add, add, add. And then we count out a team member, we count out a family member, we count out someone. But if we're really honest, it's because we're only counting only what we've done right, and we're weighing it against only what they've done wrong, right? It's just true. What if we counted a little more accurately? You see, often we count people out because we find out stuff about them. And Jesus is giving this red talk to a group of professional counters, These guys were called Pharisees, and they had the ability to count who's done what right and who's done what wrong. And they always thought they did everything right, and everybody did stuff wrong. And they counted out the prostitutes. They counted out the tax collectors. They counted out the people who weren't religious like them. They counted people out because they found out that they struggled with things that were inappropriate or against the rules. And many of them were hurtful things. So Jesus shows up to this group of professional counters. And he says, hey, let's talk about sheep. Sheep represent the people you've counted out. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountain to seek out the one who's lost? And, and if he finds that one, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over the sheep that was found than the 99 that did not go astray. And that's the gist of his red talk. You see, the people you've counted out, the people who did you wrong, didn't follow the rules, didn't do the right thing, the Pharisees had counted them out. They were the one sheep that got away. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Count them out. I don't want in my life anyway. But Jesus said, let me tell you about my dad and my understanding of God is that God is not somebody who counts people out, but when he finds out that they're struggling, finds out that they've done the wrong thing, finds out that they blew it and didn't live up to their own expectations, let alone God's. He doesn't count them out, He seeks them out. Are you seeking out the person that you've had this division with for months or years? Are you seeking out? What if you started counting things differently and said, you know, right now I've been missing out on time with my kids and grandkids for two years, five years, ten years. I'm missing out. I need to start counting all the years I'm missing out and say, it's worth trying to make this right to get this back together. Who do you need to seek out? What if we started counting the people we need to seek out in our past that we might have harmed or, or that we might at this point there's been enough time we might be able to reconcile with? What if we begin to count how we can bring out the best of a situation? We've been counting how bad the situation is. What if we began to say, what if... Despite what I found out, despite what is true, let me count the chances I have to seek them out, to see what's been missing out, maybe even bring out something good in the circumstance of the situation. But I don't ask the red questions. (laughs) I'd rather just count people out because of what I found out. That's a lot easier than counting how I could bring out the best, seek out, or figure out what's missing out. And that's because my inner calculator tells me that I'm calculating this so accurately. But the truth is, the reason I count people out is because I filtered out some portion, right? I filtered out some portion. I filtered out what I've done wrong, and I filtered out what they might have done right. The math is already in my favor because of the way I've been counting. Well, just as Jesus finishes telling this red talk to a group of professional counters, one of his disciples, Peter, shows up and is like, hey, I got a question for you. So people that they've counted out, we should forgive. But okay, let's be honest. Lord, how often, how often when my brother, I've been counting my brother, we're talking about him right now, not me, we're talking about him. When my brother sins, does something wrong against me, how often do I have to forgive them? Seven times? That seems pretty gracious. That seems like you're going above and beyond the call of duty. Seven times. But you see already in his phrase, he's filtered out some things. Not how many times do I need to seek out. Not how many times do I need to own my stuff. He immediately is still focused on what somebody did to him. When my brother sins, when he does it again, when I count that thing again, how often do I have to deal with this or put up with this or keep going with this? But I think forgiveness starts with us being honest enough to say, you know, my calculator has given me some truth, but I have filtered out a lot of facts by only counting what I've done right and only counting what they've done wrong. There was a study done back in the 50s, it's called the cocktail effect, and you can see this in yourself. You go to a party, you go to a cocktail, and there's so much noise all around you that you can't focus on all the conversations. So again, at one point you're talking to your spouse, and they begin talking, and you overhear your name mentioned across the hall. So you're still looking at your spouse. But you ain't listening to your spouse. Your eyes are here, but your ears have to tune out what's close by in order to focus in on what's happening across the room. A juicy piece of gossip, maybe, right? So you're filtering out the room. And so what they found is that just the way our ears work, you can't take it all in at once. So your brain makes decisions on what it's going to filter out and what it's going to zoom in on. There's a natural tendency in the human heart when you've been hurt. And we've all been hurt to immediately tune out anything that person's ever done right, anything they ever tried to do what's right, because it further justifies how angry and bitter you are. And (laughs) if you're like me, I have a tendency then to filter out anything bad I've done. Oh, I did something, but it was real small. So you feel a little more self-righteous and a little more justified in your anger. It's really hard not to filter out and trying to own your own junk. It's really hard. I remember many, many years ago, I had a good friend of mine, and we've been friends for about a decade, and through a weird, difficult circumstance, he had offered to, to let me borrow something. And the long story, real short, is it did not go well. At least 50% of it was miscommunication. His expectations were A, B, and C, and what he thought would happen was you know A, B, and C, and I had thought he'd said D, E, and F, and the expectations were D, E, and F. So by the time he got it back, it was not what he expected. And a combination, of I don't take care of things really a anyway, so part of it was my fault. I just did not live up to maybe a normal person's expectations, let alone somebody with high expectations in this issue. And so he called me, confronted me on it, and I immediately went, oh man, I, I did not understand that was the case. I'm really sorry for the miscommunication. And yeah, I, I did not live up to, to what should have been happening here. So I'm trying to own my own thing. I wrote him a letter just to apologize and, and even put a check in for whatever you know, damage may have been caused. I didn't even fully understand what it was, but I wanted him to know that our, our relationship was more important than whatever this issue was. He got me back on the phone. He said, there is no way you should ever be a pastor after what you've done. And now I went from trying to do the right thing to trying to own my own stuff, to now I'm getting angry. And now I am filtering out any way I was wrong, and any way he might have been right, and now it's every way he is wrong, and every way I am right, and now I'm getting angrier, and the shame, and the guilt, and the frustration. And I went from hoping he'd forgive me, and now I don't know if I can forgive him. Because I just began to count things differently. So maybe you're thinking of a relationship. Maybe it's one in the present. Maybe it's one in the recent past. Maybe it's one that goes back for, for years. And I'm not here to in any way flippantly say it wasn't that big a deal because it's a big deal whatever happened. Everybody hurts. And if you told me the story, I would say, oh, my goodness. I would be angry for you. I would be frustrated for you. So how do we get out of that? When we are hurt? How do we get free from that? How do we find forgiveness in that? How do we not let what they did to us or what that person said about us, how do we let that not become a contagion in us? Well, I think we've got to start by saying, in some way I've only been counting what they did wrong and what I've done right. And I've got to at least be honest that I'm not being objective about this. But then Jesus comes and gives another little red talk that, really turns things upside down and helping you move from the hurt you're in to moving toward forgiveness. He says, you got to count something differently. How about we start counting how much God is willing to give you undeserved forgiveness rather than counting how much they don't deserve your forgiveness. Now, you're still counting, but doesn't this turn the calculator upside down? When you think about that person that maybe came to mind, we were sinking. You, like me, have a calculator. You've been calculating how much they don't deserve your forgiveness. Chad better not tell me to forgive them. Anyone else in my life is fine, but not them. They don't deserve my forgiveness. And I agree, they don't. I don't even know the story, but I'm sure you're you're right. But what if instead of counting how they don't deserve your forgiveness, you start to count on how much God is willing to give you undeserved forgiveness? you may be kicking the tires in Christianity and not know if you believe in the God of of the Bible or or Jesus. That's okay. I want to try and show you that if this message is true, and if what Jesus said is true, it ignites a new type of energy and power in you when you begin to count a God who is willing to forgive me that much. And it's undeserved. Maybe I could give them some of this undeserved surplus I got from God. To do that, number one, we need to stop counting the fact that they don't deserve it, right? Because right now we're in the how little they, whoever your they is, don't deserve your forgiveness. And again, that's what Peter's saying. This is my brother, sinned against me. They don't deserve my forgiveness. I even gave it seven times. I'm not giving it eighth. Surely, God, you're not telling me to forgive them, that brother who did it seven times already, an eighth time. Come on. They don't deserve it. And Jesus is going to give a little red talk to reply, but he's basically going to say, well, how long do you want to keep yourself in prison? How long do you want to keep poisoning yourself? There's a legendary bird. It's not a real bird, but the Buddha speaks about it and several others. It's a two-headed bird with one body. This is the, the bird, the Jiva Jivaka. There it is. I'm sure I pronounced it correct. And this bird one day was flying around and one of the heads saw this delicious seed. And the one head came and began to eat the delicious seed and he would not share it with the other head. The head asked nicely, but he refused to share his delicious seed with him. So the other head decided it was time to get back at the first head because of what he had done. Because his inability to share and his inability to do the right thing, he had wronged him. So the second head said, I know what I will do. I will go and find some poisonous berries to eat. That'll make his stomach upset. That will make him feel so bad. In fact, it might even poison him. That's exactly what the second head did. He began to chew on this poisonous berry, knowing that it would make the other bird head feel horrible and maybe even die. Often the poison, the bitterness that we think we're using to hurt our enemy is the thing we end up using to poison ourselves. So Jesus answers the questions, how many times, seven? I don't tell you, no, 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 not seven times. But I tell you to forgive 70 times seven. To which, if you're like me, you're like, great, let me calculate. (laughs) I'm on with my son, 742. Don't think that's his point. He takes the number that he's been calculating and then multiplies it times 70 and just says, I want you to just keep forgiving because you want to keep yourself free from poison. You want to keep yourself out of prison. Forgive 70 times 7. But Jesus doesn't just pick this number out of the thin air. Jesus picks this number because he's a Jewish rabbi. And this number was very, very famous. If you asked anyone who is a studier of the Torah, who's the most evil man in the Bible? They would say, Lamech. Now maybe you've heard of Cain. Cain was Adam and Eve's son who killed his brother. He was pretty bad. But Lamech was even worse. And it's the only other time in the Bible that the number 70 times 7, or 70-fold, appears in the Bible. Let me take you back there. Maybe we understand a little bit more what Jesus is saying. You see, Lamech, the first polygamist, also God told him not to do that. So he's got two wives. And Lamech turns to his wives for a little daily speech. He says, Adah and Zilphar, or Zilphar, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech. It's a great way to talk to your wife. Listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me. Someone just wounds me, I kill him. I always double down. I do far worse than they do to me. And here's my motto. Here's my phrase that I use in my life, Lamech says, for how I handle relationships. If Cain, the guy who killed his brother, was avenged seven times, Lamech will be avenged 70 times 7 or 77 fold. So Jesus is saying, I want you to be as forgiving as the most evil person you've ever met. Ugh. Wow. How? How would I do that? That's impossible. That's the challenge. Then he gives another little red talk. He says, Well, here's how. You need to understand how much God has given you undeserved forgiveness. Until you count how much God's given you undeserved forgiveness, you're never going to be able to do that. He says, There was once a king, and the king had a servant who owed him the equivalent of two million dollars in today's terms. And he came to collect his debt. And the servant's like, I can't pay you $2 million. I'm never going to give back. Have patience with me. Have compassion on me. There's no way I can pay this back. And the king looked at him and said, all right. And moved with compassion. The king turned to the servant who owed him $2 million. He released him. Did not put him in debtor's prison. But forgave his debt. And that man, who had just been forgiven two million dollars, was on his way home. I can't wait to tell my wife. And on the way home, he met one of his servants, who owed him two pennies, hundred denarii, two pennies in our culture in comparison. And this servant looked at him and said, "I know it's only two pennies. I just haven't have any money. I cannot pay." I I cannot pay. And this servant who'd just been forgiven two million turns to the one with two cents and says, pay me what you owe. But but I can't. I'll never pay it back. I, I need more time. And this servant who'd been forgiven much does not give him patience. He would not forgive him the two cents. Threw him into debtor's prison. Which I always thought like, is that a good way to get your money back? No. Until he should pay the debt. And Jesus ends his third red talk. Just lets it sit there. He see, whatever somebody has done to you, as horrible as it is, it is two cents compared to the two million God has forgiven you. And when you begin to understand the main message of the Bible, that God himself came to earth to forgive everything we've done wrong, to forgive us this massive debt of your past, your present, your future, everything you know you did, everything you forgot you did, everything you filtered out that you did. He forgave all of that. Allowed himself to be pounded onto a crucifix for you because you didn't deserve it. Because the king wanted you to be free. When that gets into your heart, you say, Well, if I've experienced from the king... 70 times 7 forgiveness, right? If I've gotten this from the king, I can extend to others what I've experienced. But I'm never going to extend to somebody else what I haven't experienced. So I want you to experience 70 times 7 forgiveness from God so that you can extend 70 times forgiveness to others. I just kept trying to reconcile with my friends. I knew in some, part, some parts of the conversation we would never agree on or never agree on what happened. A lot of it was just a terrible miscommunication. So I had a third party who knew me and knew this person. And eventually they sat down with, with he and with me and uh, separately. And I'll never forget when the message came back to me that my friend had chosen to forgive me and thought I had done my best to try and reconcile. And the phrase that came back to me from my mutual friend was, he said to me when I had lunch last week, this was a decade ago, he said, well, I'm going to forgive Chad because I just realized God has forgiven me so much more. There it is. You can't extend 70 times 7 forgiveness until you experience seventy times seven forgiveness, let's put that back up on the screen again. Let's look again at what we're counting. Get back to that slide. Using your inner calculator, right? You're not going to get rid of this thing. <laughs> I'm not going to get rid of this thing. This thing helps you a lot to assess a lot of things accurately. But what if you use your inner calculator to count what God has done for you versus what others have done to you? what if you at least counted both? Count what they did to you. It's true. It's accurate. And count what God has done for you. How might that change the perspective? What are you counting these days? Are you counting or recounting what happened to you two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago? When I first moved here 19 years ago, I had been beaten up, and unfairly treated severely. And I just kept telling the story, kept counting it, kept recounting it to other people. My buddy John Kirby came up to me one day after about six months. He's like, Chad, can I talk to you about something? Sure, John. You got to stop telling that story. But just every time I told, I could feel my, my adrenaline go up, my blood would boil a bit. I'd feel more and more justified But I had to decide to stop counting, stop recounting what they had done because I wanted to be free. And the secret for me was realizing I'd been forgiven debt in prison by the king so that I could let somebody else out of prison that I thought belonged there, but not more than me. So let me tell you about some friends at Horizon, my friend, Kenneth. He was very hostile toward religion and anyone religious. He had counted them all out because religion had counted him out for so long. And because a group of people at our church began to befriend him and talk to him, and argue with him and listen to him when he was not particularly nice to them, he found this kind of 70 times seven forgiveness. And I'd like you to hear the story of he and his wife, and how finding the 70 times 7 forgiveness from God, and the supernatural forgiveness of debt, led them to a perspective on how to forgive others. Let's listen to Jill's story.
1: When I met my husband, Kenneth, we talked about religion a lot, but he wasn't real happy with it. And got into a lot of arguments with friends. In his original business, Kenneth's haircutting, he used to have a plaque on the wall that was a caricature of all the beautiful girls who worked for him. He wasn't in it, his arm was coming down from heaven in this white robe with a pair of shears in it and across the bottom of the plaque, it said, Kenneth, hair god. That's how he felt about himself. Finally, a good friend suggested he take a look at Horizon Church because he thought the connection would be a good one. And Kenneth started on Wednesday nights with men's meetings and that was fine. And then we started going Sunday mornings and we never stopped. We never looked back. And a couple of years after that, we decided to get baptized as adults. And um, that happened and that was a very joyful time in my life. When women would sit in his chair and he would talk about this church and talk about his walk with Christ, while he was cutting their hair and they were amazed because the man was the best hair cutter i've ever known in my life and and he he would proselytize from that chair and he got lots of people from our salon into this church clients would say you're an amazing hair cutter i just i love the way you cut my hair he would respond well it's not me my talent's on loan from god kenneth was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis um he had had pneumonia throughout his life from the time he was a little kid, so he always had trouble for as long as I knew him, but the last five years were were worse. He was, he was winding down. He cut hair right up until the time he went into the hospital. Um, Saturday night, we closed up shop, and Monday morning, we, he went into the hospital, and he was there for two weeks and didn't come out. So after a couple of days after he passed, I, Got on the phone with our investors and said, I know how much I owe you. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And without Kenneth, I really don't know how I can pay it back ever. And my investor said, we know it's over $350,000 and we don't want you to worry about it. We are just going to say that it's paid in full and you don't have to pay it back. I'll send you some paperwork and you'll fill it out and we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And I remember I was driving at the time, I hung up my phone and I just immediately said, thank you, Jesus, for that help because I did not know how I was gonna go forward. It's been about five years since we lost Kenneth and my life was going really well. And very recently, There was an episode in my life where people I trusted and loved hurt me very deeply. And I wasn't expecting it. I didn't, I never saw it coming. And I was so astounded. Um, It it was, let's just say it was really hurtful. And um, it took me a while to deal with it. But after thinking about it and praying about it, knowing that Jesus has forgiven me a lifetime of sins. Um, how could I not forgive these people who I had loved and felt as though they were in my own family? How could I not forgive them?
0: Let's pray together. Like I said, you can't extend it until you experience it. So maybe you just one in your own words, say God, I can't pay my debt, I don't even realize how much I owe you, but I accept your forgiveness for my stubbornness, my impatience, my rebellion, my me-first attitude. Father, help me to see just how massive your forgiveness is. Then maybe you want to ask God, God, give me the courage. Maybe say, give me the resources to forgive the person I have in prison. In light of how you have set me free. Father, you came into a world that was so broken with cruelty by the Romans, devastation, bad news almost every day. God, we live in a culture which we can't even keep track of the bad news between shootings and hatred and people hating one another. So, Father, we pray for our world, a world desperately in need of forgiveness, a world desperately in need of light in the darkness. And We ask, Father, that you would bring your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and may we be ambassadors of that light, ambassadors of that forgiveness to everyone who sees us in our family, at our work, in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen.